Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of Fizz Final. Carter Bainbridge here along with Damon Amendolara to talk a little bit about Syracuse's latest loss. This time, another three-point stinger against Clemson. 17-14 to 14 is your final on this Friday night. The Tigers looked vulnerable for a lot of this game. Syracuse hung around in it, but in the end, they could not come away with a victory. That's the third straight loss for Syracuse. And certainly a tough one tonight, Damon, that is for sure. And all these losses, a lot of people want to pin them on Dino Babers. Not really sure, is this the product of a coach who keeps rolling the dice and coming up empty, or is this something that we should focus in on him with? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I I don't think that a coach can be completely to blame when players have to execute. I mean, a game like tonight against Clemson, comes down to a 48-yard field goal to tie, and you ask your kicker to make a 48-yarder inside a dome, controlled conditions, a kick that he has made before in a big spot. Now, this year's a little different, but, you know, Andre Schmidt has made that kick in the past. So it's hard to blame a coach when a player doesn't execute. That being said, I think Dino Baber's decision-making can absolutely be questioned. I think being too conservative uh, may have come back to bite him tonight. Uh, I didn't like that call. I think in a case like this, you're giving me a fourth and one from the Clemson 30. All I need is one yard, maybe two, depending on whether it was a yard and a half or whatever, to get a field goal or to get a first down rather, and to make that field goal closer, I'm going to go ahead and do that. To me, that's the decision that I feel comfortable making. But that's not for everybody, obviously. That's not for everybody. And for Dino Babers in this instance, uh, I think he should have went for it. He got too conservative. He tried to kick the field goal. It didn't work out. And in a case like that, you're going to be questioned. And um, you know what? That comes with the territory. And this definitely situations that have bitten Dino Babers the last two weeks. So he's now lost three straight games, all three by three points. And there have been situations in all three games where people thought he should have taken field goals instead of going for it on fourth down and vice versa. It just seems like lately he cannot win no matter what he does. And if we're going to take a look at the opposite side on that call, Damon, because I did hear quite a few people as I walked out the dome after they just poured down booze on the field in the dome, everybody on their way out was griping about how Dino Baber should have gone for it on that fourth and one. And I can't say that I absolutely hated that call in the moment. Um, Andre Schmidt has a history of being a good kicker. Obviously, here's a guy who's won the Lou Groza Award. He has a good history. He's made that kick, especially in the Dome. But he's just not going well lately. If you know, if this was a, a baseball player, we'd talk about how he's just uh, scuffling right now and just not swinging the bat well. For Andre Schmidt, he's not swinging the leg well. Uh, for that kick at the end of the game, not only was it short, but it was going to be wide left anyways, even if he struck it well. I mean, we've all hit golf shots like that, but unfortunately for Andre Schmidt, he wasn't teeing off at Drumlins. He was trying to kick a game tying field goal in front of 50,000 people. And for Dino Babers, I think his line of thinking at the time on the fourth and one, not trying to 
put words in his mouth as he's going to have questions to answer after this game. But on fourth and one, even though Sean Tucker had a good game with a couple boom or bust runs that went boom, he's staring down a Clemson defense that came into this game third in the FBS in scoring. And they have a couple really experienced linebackers on that side, James Skalski and Balin Spector, both redshirt seniors who got that extra COVID year. They feel like they've been around forever. And you just know on fourth and one, Syracuse is going to want to run the ball, but they've got to stare down those couple guys who are just going to be screaming towards the line, like Troy Palomalu trying to jump the snap or something. So if Syracuse goes for it on that fourth and one and they run the ball, even with Sean Tucker, if it gets blown up, then people are groaning about Dino Babers going forward there anyway. So he's in kind of a no-win situation there. If Andre Schmidt makes the field goal, we're praising him for having faith in his kicker and his players. But instead, it was short. Syracuse cannot take the game to overtime. They had no timeouts left. So as soon as that kick fell short, that was the game. And on the game, the offense for Syracuse, I think we saw a little bit of the good, the bad, and the lucky, which is kind of how this offense runs. We saw the good. A 10-play, 91-yard drive in the second quarter. Garrett Schrader capped it off with a touchdown run. We saw some bad in the game. Schrader did not have one of his better games throwing. There were some off drives at times, some three and outs. And then we saw the lucky, the the 62-yard pass to Trevor Pena that just burst out of nowhere. That was really the only solid Syracuse drive or play in the second half. So this game might look a little closer than it really was. Clemson defense played Syracuse's offense really, really well. And they looked ready for everything that Syracuse was going to bring to the table, especially the Garrett Schrader runs. I mean, for the Orange is the new fast offense, this highly touted no huddle system, it looked very slow at times. And Damon, at times it looked sort of disconnected, not in sync. I think that that's been maybe the biggest gripe that most of us have had about Dino Baber's team and his offense. He has branded it so well. The program has had an identity of, as you said, fast, up-tempo, exciting. That's what it's supposed to be. But so few times over the course of Dino Baber's tenure has it really felt that way. I mean, really, it's been certainly this year mostly about Sean Tucker running the football and at least last week about Garrett Schrader, you know, running the football as well as as a quarterback. But they have not had an explosive offense. They haven't had it all season. They certainly didn't have it last season. And really since the 10 win season, that's kind of been few and far between. And so I think that there's a frustration mounting of what really has Dino Babers brought to the table offensively. Is it just marketing or is it really um, a a modernized offense? Part of my problem with, with Syracuse deciding not to go for the fourth and one and instead, you know, kicking a 48 yard field goal is exactly what you said. It's not that Schmidt has not made that kick in the past is that this year he has not made that kick. And this year, Sean Tucker has been one of the best running backs in all of football tonight. He had 157 yards rushing. He averaged 7.1 yards per carry. Schrader wasn't nearly as good. Schrader was basically one yard per carry, seven carry, six yards. So, you don't like your chances there, but for a guy in Sean Tucker that averaged seven yards a carry, exactly as you said, Clemson probably expects it right to go there. You you know what's coming, but I think you do have to trust an offensive line and a running back that has gotten it done so well over the course of the day. And Dino didn't. He instead lined up for a 48-yarder. If it's a 38-yarder, 
If it's a 28 yarder, look, if it's a shorter field goal, you cannot blame Dino there. But a 48 yard field goal is a challenge, even indoors, even for a guy that has made it, especially for, for a guy that has struggled this year. So I think Dino is, has sometimes outthought himself. And I think that this year, the orange of the new fast is really not applicable. And that might end up being the thing that, that is most frustrating because the, the Syracuse offense continues to come up just short. And tonight it wasn't going to take much scoring because we know Clemson's offense has been so bad this year. And DJ Uyunglele has been so bad this year. You knew it wouldn't take much. And that the fact that Syracuse could only put up muster 14 points at home is just another frustration that Syracuse is close, but not good enough because the losses sting when they're just a, you know, a field goal deficit. For sure. And, and you brought up some good points there, especially the idea that, you know, Andre Schmidt has had a really tough year, really tough stretch since he won the Lou Groza. Um, Dino Babers decided not to put it in the hands of his best offensive player tonight. Even though Clemson was going to be gearing up for it, you might as well go down on the hill of your best strength. So I can definitely see where you're coming from there. We knew that Schrader wasn't going to get the ball running, at least on that play, because like you said, he didn't do much on the ground and he was not on his game throwing just 17 of 37, 191 yards through a touchdown. It was the long bomb to Trevor Pena in the fourth quarter. Also threw a pretty bad pick early on in this game. And I think we've all been hoping against hope that he's been some sort of revolution for this offense, an Eric Dungy type athlete. That's the comparison you always hear simply because he can run. I, I don't think that Schrader is nearly as talented a player as Eric Dungy was. Um, they're both similar play styles, but Schrader just doesn't have that comfort, doesn't have that tenacity in the offense yet that you'd like to see. There, there isn't a lot of comfort, I think, Within Schrader, there isn't a lot of comfort on the sideline, and there's definitely not a lot of comfort in the dome itself when you see Schrader drop back to pass, and he did not look sharp tonight. Clemson looked like it brought to the table good preparation for him, and they might have given everybody else a blueprint for how to bottle up this Syracuse offense, stop Schrader from running the ball. We saw him make some good plays throwing when he was able to roll out and elude pressure. I can think of at least one pass he threw to Damian Alford on a third down, in the second half that was a big conversion and Schrader made that play with his legs, at least helped it happen. But during the game, there were mentions on the ESPN broadcast as well of Dino Babers potentially bringing Tommy DeVito into this game. DeVito who has not started a game since week three against Albany. It's been Schrader's job since then, but with Schrader off his game and with a chance to take down a rival who's usually the big bad brother who just beats you down in your own turf. Would you have liked to have seen Tommy DeVito in this game, especially with Schrader struggling the way he was late? You know, I think that if Schrader is running the football more effectively, then you keep him in there, even if his passing is mediocre, as you mentioned. I think the problem tonight was just that it felt so one-dimensional that if Schrader does not give you the dynamic with his legs, then what does he really bring to the table? I mean, he gets Clemson to 20 incompletions, 20, 17 to 37. That efficiency is brutal, absolutely brutal. And on a third and long late in this game, you know, he ends up throwing underneath for like a three-yard gain. It was just 
time and time again in big spots, it did not feel like he had the confidence to go downfield. And so if that's going to be the case with Schrader, then yes, I don't mind bringing in DeVito for a few select drives to see if he can maybe change things up. I don't think that's a bad thing. If Schrader's running the football like he has dynamically, then that threat's enough to keep him in. But if he's not, I'm not sure that he brings much more to the table than DeVito does, and maybe it's just one and one A. So, you know, the the Syracuse offense, unfortunately, has been so one-dimensional this year. It's either been on the ground or nothing at all. And tonight, uh, it was more of the same because Sean Tucker's been a superstar every single game of this season. But it's just unfortunately not been enough because defenses know that when Syracuse has to pass, they just simply can't do it. And it happened again tonight. And I think that had there been even a little bit more of success throwing the football, you probably see a different result. Yeah, especially with a Clemson team that came in three and two. And like you said, just with a dreadful offense, it's going to be hard for them to beat many more teams when they can't score. Uh, But it's the same problem for Syracuse. I mean, you've lost three games in a row, all by three points. You lost to a winless Florida State team. Then you played better against a ranked Wake Forest team, but you went down in overtime thanks to some self-inflicted wounds. And then tonight against Clemson, like you said, you just totally got shut down on offense and didn't look like you had any answers. And it's now a third consecutive loss for a three and four Syracuse team that was once three and one. We were talking bowl game after the Liberty game, but it's been a rough couple weeks since then. I mean, should we recalibrate expectations now and start looking at this team as one that is not going to make a bowl? I think you have to be realistic here that over these last three games, Syracuse probably needed to win at least one of these games. And there are three consecutive field goal losses, so they're all right there. But when you look down this schedule, you've got to find three wins. You've got to get to six and six. You can't hope that five and seven gets you in because there's not enough qualified teams and funky things happen. You've got to get to six and six. And so where are the final three wins going to come from. You are at Virginia Tech, Lane Stadium, tough place to play. You take on BC at home, but Boston College clearly is an improved team. You're at Louisville. Thankfully, the Cardinals, one of the worst teams of the ACC, but you're also at NC State, one of the best teams of the ACC, and then you're home to Pitt. Can you find three wins there? Had you only won one of these three games, you'd be sitting at four victories and say, okay, Can we get two of the final five? That feels like a reasonable expectation. Had you won two of these previous three, you only got to get one more victory out of the final five. But now you've got to win three of your final five games. It just feels like a a hill too steep to climb. And I'm not saying that a a bowl and a bowl only is what, you know, suggests that this is a a successful season. Coming off a one-win campaign, Being in these three games and winning three games of the non-conference, in many ways, that qualifies a step forward. In many ways, that defines the fact that Dino Babers and the program did take a step forward this year. But knowing that you were three and one and lost three consecutive three-point games, one of which in overtime, is really heartbreaking because I just don't think you can expect three more wins. I think at best, you're probably a five and seven team. You win two of the final five. 
and five and seven is just going to make you harken back to, boy, we were this close to playing in a bowl game if we only could have closed on one of those three in October, late September. Sure. And I mean, looking at that five game stretch, it's hard for me to even find one of those games that you'd say, yeah, just pencil that in for Syracuse, because even Louisville has Malik Cunningham. uh, That'll be hard for Syracuse to deal with on defense. And after a one win season, it just has become increasingly clear that for Dino Babers or for any other coach, it is difficult to teach a team how to win, especially after a season like that. And I think we've seen symptoms of that the last three weeks, losing three straight games by three points. There has to be some magnifying glass on the coach for those. I'm not sure how much Dino Baber should be crushed for those, but at the same time, they are losses on the board. Syracuse should have had at least one of those games, probably in an ideal world, all three, a play here, a play there. But instead of being six and one, they are three and four. And with the loss tonight, 17 to 14 to Clemson, Syracuse now turns its attention to Virginia Tech on the 23rd of this month. They go down to Blacksburg. So we'll be back on Fizz Final for that game. So keep looking for the coverage for that one. And we'll be on the beat for that game. And we'll be back on Fizz Final. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Carter Bainbridge, along with Damon Amendolara. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.